Everybody having a good morning so far? Say amen. amen. If you're having a bad morning, say, I don't want to be here. <laughs> good. Nobody said it. You guys are awesome. Uh, this is the first time in the almost a decade of my ministry. That's amazing. I cannot, it's been 10 years. That's almost overwhelming. I got to stand here and hear my daughter singing and worshiping with me. They weren't here in the first two services. But I was going to say this is the first time in uh, 10 years that I've preached three times in the same day at once. So, uh, hey, we're going to be here for a while, okay? <laughs> the first two services, I had a truck through it, and I was out of breath and all of that stuff, and it was still went over. So we're just going to chill out. And hang out for a little bit. I'm gonna probably try to get you out of here by twelve thirty nine ish. No, I'm joking. It won't be that long. Uh, but anyway, uh, we we can just cut up and have fun now, right? The live stream's over. That was last service. You know, we, we ain't got any time restraints, guys. We can stay here as long as we want. If you got a Bible, turn to uh, Romans chapter eight. Um, if you got a Bible app. Uh, open that up, turn to Romans chapter 8. If you have the version app, I don't have my phone on me. If you open the version app and write down, it would be in your right bottom corner, there'll be a little menu uh, button. You can push that, and then you can uh, click events. And if your GPS is on, ours should pop up at the top, Lindsay Lane. You click that events at Lindsay Lane, and then you can follow along in the message. It has the message notes. It's got some links at the bottom of the page for a connect card, uh, how to uh, give online. And also it's got that little flyer for our kids' camp. Our kids' camp is coming up uh, in a few weeks, and they have to be registered uh, by this Wednesday. So there's some information on there, but that's, again, on the version app. Um, we're going to dive right in uh, for sake of time. Uh, Romans eight fifteen through 17. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again uh, for our third service, Father, that there's people here to hear your word and to worship and praise you, God. And we just thank you again for this opportunity. Father, we would pray that we would open up our minds and just listen to what your spirit has for us. I pray that you would hide me behind your cross. Let my words be your words. And again, God, we love you. And we are just thankful that we can worship you in this place today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we went through that uh, text that we just read, you're probably thinking, especially you dads, oh no, it's the Father's Day, Abba Father text, the preacher guy is going to stomp all the dad's toes off today, you're probably thinking uh, he's fishing to really get after us, he's going to be giving us dads who'd rather be on a ball field all weekend than at the church house up the road for not having our priorities in order. Or maybe it's going to be the, you can't get those 70 to 80 hours back that you're investing in a company or a career to invest back into your family. You can't get those back. Or maybe you're thinking, he, this guy is about to go off on us, guys who are faithful churchgoers, 
But outside of this building, our faith is virtually non-existent. Well, I've got good news for you. I'm not even going to mention any of those things in my message today, okay? So you ain't got to worry about it, dads. It's not a, not a bash dad's day. Uh, now, on the flip side of that, mamas, now y'all got to wake up. Because I know you were, you were thinking, hey, I'm going to church today. It's Father's Day. I love going to church on Father's Day because the preacher always gives my husband up the road and I get to sit there and elbow him in the rib cage all day. That's not going to happen. Everybody's got to stay attentive and listen. So let's jump right in. Verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Let me uh, give you an idea of what fearful slave looks like i read these texts about a couple of weeks ago i was doing a devotional and it came up in in my uh, devotional time and i really uh, began to meditate on these few verses and i'm just going to re share with you what the holy spirit has been uh, ministering to me about with these uh, texts but let me give you an idea of what fearful slave looks like as i sat in a church service 13 years ago I had fear of surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. Maybe that's you today. Maybe uh, you, you come to church often. Uh, maybe you've been to church for your whole lifetime, but you've never really surrendered uh, to the Lordship of Christ. And I was in, in the same boat uh, 13 years ago now. And as I sat in a church service and, and the Holy Spirit began to draw me to himself, I would go back the next week and then I would go back the next week. And the whole time... Um, God's drawing me to himself. The enemy is lying to me. He's trying to get me not to uh, go back to church, not to follow Jesus, not surrender to the lordship of Jesus. And so I had a lot of these thoughts that, that sounded something like this. How will I function? I was an alcoholic at that time of about 15 years or so, and I, and I had thoughts like this. How will I function without alcohol in my life? I would say things, to, or the enemy was saying things, to me, you know, how will you function? How will you go? How will you enjoy college football if you're not drinking? How will you enjoy your 4th of July? That's coming up if you're doing those things. Lies from the enemy. Uh, another one, will I lose some of my friends and family if I choose to pursue Jesus? Real questions. Will my wife want to be a part of this? Well, as you can see, she's here, so she said yes. But um, that was a serious question at the time and thoughts that you have. What if my wife doesn't want to be a part of this? What if I choose to surrender my life to Jesus and my wife doesn't want to, want to be on, on, on the same page? What if I can't keep the expectation? What if there's, I had expectations? I didn't know how church worked. I didn't know how religion worked or any of those things. So I just assumed that I had a, a long list of stuff that I would have to do. That if I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, I, I got saved, if you will, that I had a long list of stuff that I would have to do all the time. And I thought, I guess if I mess up and I'm, I don't do something, I don't know how that works if I go, you know, have to start all over. I didn't know what any of that looked like. And lastly, what if God's expectations for me are too great? What if God's expectations, I, I thought God had all these expectations, those rules and regulations, and that I was going to have to just continue to stay after it and work and work and work and work and, and try to meet these expectations that God has for me in my life. But what if I don't meet those expectations? These were all from a place of fear. All of these questions and thoughts were from a place of fear 
And in essence, they were spiritual warfare. These were uh, thoughts from the enemy, so to speak. Like I mentioned, he does not want us to follow Jesus. And so he's, he's whispering these things in my ear uh, to get me not to follow Jesus. If you go back and look at that verse uh, 15, so you have not received a spirit, that's small s spirit. And you move ahead, it says God's spirit, and that spirit is spelled with a big s. The small s spirit is not of God. Or that's not the Holy Spirit of God. When it says small s spirit of fear, that can be uh, something welling up inside of us. That can be our own flesh. And it can also be the enemy whispering things in our ear. When you go down in the uh, uh, end of that verse and it says Holy Spirit and it says big S, that's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. That's something of God and from God. Uh, again, the enemy does not want us to follow Jesus. He wants us to be have a, a, a spirit of fear in that way. And that's the way fearful slaves think. Fearful slaves think in that manner like we've got a master that's just going to be oppressing us and have the expectation so high that we just have to work, 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 and we can never get ahead, and we can never do the right things, and he's just uh, lording over us. That's what a fearful slave uh, looks like, and that's the way a fearful slave thinks. But Scripture tells us when we're in a personal, real, intimate relationship with the Lord, we're not fearful slaves. Verse 16 says, For his spirit, big S, joins with our spirit to affirm we are God's children. If you're a kid in here right now, raise your hand. Kid, you can be a big kid if you want to. I don't care. Big kids say God's children. Kids say God's children. Y'all got, come on, guys and girls. Hey, the parents are louder than you. I want as loud as you can say God's children on three. One, two, three. Man, y'all are great. Y'all are awesome. So we can either live as fearful slaves or God's children. The Holy Spirit is not an agent of bondage. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit is not an agent of bondage, but is instead the means of our adoption into God's family. By the Spirit, big S Spirit, we have awareness that God is our Father. The Spirit also gives us assurance of our status and therefore of our salvation. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance of our status that we are God's children and therefore our salvation. We don't have to continue to do a bunch of stuff. We don't have to be fearful slaves. We don't think, hey, man, what if I don't miss the mark? What if I screw up? What if I don't do it right? What if I miss church? What if I miss church for three months because of a pandemic or anything we, our salvation is secure. We are God's children. We don't have to live as a fearful slave to religion or anything else for that matter, bondage and sin. We don't have to live that way. We are children of God and our salvation is secure. If you have the supernatural spirit of God living inside of you, you have proof that this stuff is real. Do y'all know that this stuff is real? For a long time, I did not know that this stuff was real. I had been to churches before, been to be 
been to VBSs before, got quote-unquote saved before, got baptized before, and I, it was just religion. I, I, I didn't have a life change. I didn't have a heart change. I did not understand that this stuff was real, but 13 years ago, Holy Spirit shows up. I surrendered my life to Him, and for the first time ever, I realized because of a supernatural spirit that has now indwelled me that this stuff is in fact real. Somebody say amen. Our salvation is signed, sealed, delivered. It's a done deal. You've been bought with Jesus' blood on the cross. There is no reason to have fear. We are God's children if you profess that. If you're not following Jesus, if you have not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, then you, you may still be in a fearful slave mindset thinking. Let's move past that. We're God's children. Verse 17 and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together we, with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, we're going to shift gears uh, here for just a minute. This is the heart of today's message. We must also share his suffering. We've built each other up this morning from, from fearful slaves to God's children. But the scripture says if we, to, if, if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. What does that look like in 2020 America? What does share in his suffering look like in 2020 America? This is the heart of the message because this is what the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about for the last two to three weeks as I first read that and been meditating on it uh, since then. What does suffering... Share in God's suffering look like in 2020 America. John 15:20 says this, uh, or Jesus says in John 15:20, since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. Have we suffered in that way? Have you suffered in that way? Have you suffered persecution? Have you faced persecution? I think for the most part we have not. If we took an anonymous poll and put the results on the screen and we just said yes or no, have you faced persecution uh, for Christ's sake? Most of us in here would say no. <clears throat> I, I actually in the first service I said how many of us would uh, could check yes that we face persecution? This little bitty girl in the very back row, she said one. And I thought you're probably right. There's probably maybe one in a, in a handful in here who could say truthfully, I have faced persecution for the gospel's sake. Is that due to the freedoms we so cherish in America, or is that a lack of effort on my part? Is that a lack of effort on your part? Have we not faced persecution just because of the freedoms that we cherish, or is it because of lack of effort? Now, I'm not saying we should be looking for opportunities for persecution. I'm not saying, hey, we all need to go down here to the street corner or go down here to the shop right, and every time somebody walks in, we holler at them, y'all going to hell, because you will face persecution if you do that, and that's not in love either. I'm not telling you to be looking for opportunities for persecution. I'm telling you to look for opportunities to share the gospel. We should look for opportunities to love neighbors. We should look for opportunities to love people. And if we're doing that in love and being truthful, then gospel conversations will follow, and then we have to point out 
we're separated from God by sin. So that means we're sinners. And then you'll face some persecution because then we have to acknowledge that people are sinful and we're separated from God by sin just simply by sharing the gospel. Um, Probably the only persecution we have to deal with much is if we invite somebody to church and they say no. Do you ever have that feeling inside that the Holy Spirit is leading you to talk to somebody about spiritual matters? And you're just like, I know God is leading me to this person. I know the Holy Spirit is uh, maybe uh, leading me. The Holy Spirit probably wants you to share the gospel and have spiritual gospel conversation. But we cower and we just go with, well, I'll invite them to church. (laughs) And then that way I don't have to have the spiritual conversation and they can just hear a preacher preach it. And and that's okay. You're, you're getting there. I mean, that's a step forward, right? But a lot of times we won't even go that far because we are scared of the response that our friend, our co-worker would be like, oh, you're somewhere to Jesus freak, huh? Oh, so you're that, you're, so you're, oh, you're that guy. So you're that guy. And that's probably the only kind of persecution that any of us has ever faced is that maybe somebody said something like that or something along those lines, but they just simply said, no, I won't come to church with you. I would think that's probably the the most persecution anybody in this room has faced. Most of us have not endured any type of persecution for the gospel's sake. If we ask ourselves our own hearts right now, and have I faced any kind of persecution for the gospel's sake, most of us would say no. And you know why? Most of us are not sharing the gospel. Most of us are not sharing the gospel. If we ask ourselves, ask yourself in your own spirit, when was the last time I shared the gospel? Really shared the gospel. I didn't, and I'm not talking about inviting somebody to church. I'm talking about you tell somebody straight up, hey, we're separated from God by our sin. So that means I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. <clears throat> we need to be reconciled to God. God sent Jesus to reconcile us. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. If you believe that, believe that he is the son of God. He rose on the third day. He is now sitting in heaven. And you put your faith 100% in him then you can live eternally. And not only that, now you can be indwelled with a supernatural spirit of God that can change your heart from the inside out and change your wants and desires. And then ask for a response. Hey, what do you want to do with that? You're a sinner. This is the way to God. Do you want to be reconciled? I would be willing to bet probably in the last year in this room, in the last year in this room, maybe five And I think that's a long shot. This is what God has spoken into my heart. Greg, where are you sharing the gospel? When are you sharing the gospel? Now, we've got a pretty good excuse in the last three months, right? We've been on quarantine. Hey, I ain't done it in the last three months. Okay, guys, I've been been cooped up in the house. We ain't seen nobody. Those, Those gospel conversations in Walmart have been... Few and far between, right? Now we're just going, booking it in Walmart and getting what we need and getting out. Hey, you want us to talk about persecution? Go in Walmart without a mask. <laughs> You're going to say some persecution? That's just what I heard. I would never do that. That's just what I heard. <clears throat> Romans eight seventeen says we must share his suffering. We must share. It doesn't say you might, maybe, if you want to, must share his suffering if we want to share in his glory. 
We always envision the cross and the suffering that comes with that, but think about this. Jesus left heaven to suffer for you and I. Think about uh, how many of you, by showing of hands, has seen the movie Passion of the Christ? Most of us, you know, it's, it's horrible scenes of suffering. Jesus is going, going to Calvary. He's toting his cross. He's getting whipped. He's got, you know, crown of thorns. People's mocking and spitting on him. He, he's hanging on the cross. They stick a sword in his side. You, you know that as suffering. Guess what? He left heaven to do that. So on the gauge of suffering, where are we? Jesus left heaven to suffer that way for you and I. But not only for you and I, the, the children of God who are in here, but for the people who, who don't want to have anything to do with him. Who would be spitting on him as he's walking his own cross up to Calvary. Who's beating him with the whip. Jesus left heaven for that. Our souls yearn and long for heaven. And yet Jesus left it for us. Jesus left heaven to suffer for you and I. And we don't even want to leave the safety of our own homes to ask our neighbor their name. What if we left our comfort zone to suffer for someone else? What if we left our comfort zone to suffer from, for someone else? We don't even want to get out of our comfort zone again to ask our neighbor what their name is. We don't even want to get out of our comfort zone once we leave here. Hey, it's, it's okay. It's easy and okay to do Jesus stuff in here, ain't it? I mean, we could have an altar call right now, and most of y'all who, who are physically able would come down here to the altar. Man, it's so easy to do churchy stuff in here. It's easy to do religious stuff and godly stuff in the church house. We may even get some people up here and pray over them and lay hands on them and do all kinds of churchy stuff. But when we go out that door, for the most part, most of us, see it, it's over. We're leaving it inside this room. We won't even get out of the comfort zone as soon as we leave the church house. Let me give you a, cra a real crazy idea. And I know some of you is going to look at me crazy, and that's okay. I'm crazy. What if, just what if, a couple families decided, you know what, let's move to the ghetto. Y'all did exactly what I said you was going to do. You looked at me like I was crazy. What if we moved, we sell our property, we sell our homes, and we moved to the trailer park. Somebody's like, no, nah, hey, brother, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. Even as I wrote that, when I was thinking of that, about this message, I was thinking about a road that my mother lives on. Carl and I lived on that road for a brief time. And there's nothing but trailers on both sides of the road. So a little country road about a quarter mile long. And it's not a stereotypical trailer, trailer park, but that's what it is. That's where we're from. <clears throat> um, and there's, you know, trailers, 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 about 20, 24 trailers or so property. They got a couple acres. And these properties just rotate every time we go down. It's a different one for sale, different one for rent. What if the wisest decides, you know what? We're going to sell our home in our little neighborhood, and we're going to move to the trailer park. And the Blythes, this is the third time I've asked Kenny about it today. Y'all can laugh, guys. It's the third service as a joke. The Blythes are going to sell their property, and the Wises are going to sell their property. And y'all are now looking at me like, please don't say my name. 
And somebody else is going, we'll pick on Heath, he's not here, and the Haney's. And we're all going to move to this road. There's about 24 houses on I bought one down here. They bought one down here. We bought one down here. And our only goal is to minister to these 24 homes. I really believe, I really believe that you could change the trajectory of almost every one of them homes. Now, there's going to be some people who refuse the gospel. You just know that. But I believe that you can make a big monster difference on those 24, 20 homes. And what if it was just 20? What if it was 20 homes? You know what's in those 20 homes? Probably two more kids per home. And so that's 40 kids. And those 40 kids at some point in time will have 40 more homes. And those 40 homes at some point in time will have two more kids and that'll be 80 more homes. And I can't do math past that. So you get the point. But you would have an opportunity to make a difference. Maybe if we just think outside the box and want to get out of our comfort zone. Now, obviously, you can do that where you are. Whatever community you're in, wherever you're living right now, you can do these things right there, right now. An apartment complex, great place to do it. Neighborhood, great place to do it. Trailer park, great place to do it. Get away, it doesn't matter. Great place to do it. You can do it wherever you are, but I'm just trying to stimulate our minds to think outside the box. What if those adopted into the family of God, if you come in here this morning and you profess the name of Jesus Christ, you have been adopted, amen, amen. into the family of God. What if we were willing to be about adoption? Wonder how many of us have empty homes in our house, uh, empty rooms in our homes, and they've been sitting empty. There's a lot of kids needing a lot of beds. <clears throat> I ain't got room. I'm stacking kids to the ceiling as it is, but, uh, you know, maybe somebody else. <clears throat> what if I'm going to have empty rooms one day, though? You know it. Hopefully. Well, <laughs> some of them, they may be there for a while. Never mind. <clears throat> if I have empty homes, we'll, th- we'll talk about them. What if... Those of us who will stand on the soapbox against abortion. I'm usually the first one in line. I'm going to get on the soapbox against abortion. What if those of us who would get on the soapbox against abortion would be willing to invest time and resources into teenage mothers who want to have the babies? What if we stood at the front of the abortion clinic instead of holding up our signs condemning abortion and condemning those 14, 15, 16-year-old girls walking in there if we was meeting them on the way in saying, if you don't have this abortion, I will help you with my time, my resources, and my bank account. You can count on me for at least the first three years or the first five years or the first whatever, even if, if, you, if you can't do it. I'll help you get through it. <clears throat> so what if? To share in Jesus' suffering, we must get to a place where our heart is like Jesus' heart. Jesus prays in Luke twenty-two forty-two. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Even as we just said those things a while ago, hey, let's sell our home, move to the trailer park. Hey, let's be about adoption. Some of us are already thinking, man, that's tough. That's tough. But Jesus says, please take this cup of suffering away from me. In that moment, he's thinking the same thing. This is going to be tough. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. What if we prayed the same way? 
That's righteous suffering. He knows his fate. He knows his future, yet he prays, Your will, Lord, not mine. That's righteous suffering. When was the last time we've had to pray that? When was the last time you've been in a place that called for such a prayer? I'm talking about righteous suffering for the gospel's sake, righteous suffering for, for the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about suffering that we, but because we've made some stupid decisions. That's not the suffering we talked about, we're talking about. I'm not talking about, hey, hey, Greg, Greg's done went and bought a stupid truck that he can't pay for, and a year later the things broke down and I'm still having to pay payments on it, and I didn't even need it because I already had a car, and then I'm crying out to Jesus, God, why am I suffering in this way? And God's like, dude, you already had a truck, you didn't need a truck. You suffer because you made a stupid decision. Or relationships. Relationships. We, we, we are, get into these relationships and it's red flag after red flag after red flag after red flag. And you know doggone well, this ain't the one. But a year later, or even six months later, we're crying out on our knees to God, God, I am suffering in this relationship again. How have I gotten into this place? Will you please help me out of it? That's not righteous suffering. That's suffering because we've made a stupid decision. We're talking about righteous suffering. Now, please don't get me wrong. Call out to God at all times. But that's not what we're talking about. I've made a ton of stupid decisions, and then I ended up crying out to the Lord a, a lot. I didn't know Jesus till 32, so I made a lot of stupid decisions. <clears throat> I'm talking about laying our lives down for the gospel's sake, laying our children's lives at the foot of the cross, our future goals, our careers, our bank accounts, our cars, our homes at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, your will be done with all of this. Can we pray like this? As a body of believers, can we pray like this? Father, I've given of my time. I've given of my resources. I've opened my home to the less fortunate. And because of some of these things, God, I'm suffering, yet your will be done. Can we pray like that? I think about one of our missionary partners, the McIntyre. Some of you know them. Some of you have been to Guatemala and partnered with them on mission trips. They've been here and uh, uh, came and spoke in our sanctuary before. And they left the comforts and freedoms of this country to pursue a call to ministry in Guatemala. They took their kids. I think they got three kids, maybe two. Uh, but they took their young kids simply because of a, a call. God called them to Guatemala to minister to people and share the gospel. They left. They're from Limestone County right here in our home. They left this, all the amenities that is the great state of North Alabama, and left to go pursue and chase after Jesus and help reconcile and restore people back to him in Guatemala. That is righteous suffering. Recently, the McIntyres were asked if they would come back to this area for, mini- for a ministry opportunity. Uh, they had an opportunity to bring their whole family back to the U.S. You know, hey, uh, turn in your two-week notice, or I don't know how that works on the mission field. It's probably got to be longer than two weeks. But, and, and pursue a ministry opportunity here in Limestone County. 
bring your whole family back home. Their family's from here, so they'll be coming back home. And they, this was their reply when asked if they would come back home. We would be hesitant to expose our children back to that culture. We would be hesitant to expose our children back to that culture, a culture of self, a culture of entertainment, a culture of self-sufficiency, a Christian culture where there's no sacrifice, there's no obedience, and there's no suffering. You see, church, our current Christian culture looks like a software agreement. If you've downloaded any type of software or new apps probably in the last uh, at least probably 10 years or so, you download it, you get on your laptop or your phone, you download a new app or whatever, and every single one of them, you have to scroll all the way down to the screen. Most of us just doing this, swapping all the way down 100 pages. You get down to the bottom of the software agreement, and it says what? Agree, accept, and you click it, and you move on. That's what Christian culture in America looks like now. We're not reading this. We're not doing any of those things in here. We're not sharing in his suffering. We're just scrolling to the back, clicking I accept, and living just like we was before we ever opened, downloaded the app. It's easy. I read this quote this week. It's easy to be like Jesus until we have to be like Jesus. That is when we have to die to our pride. When we have to forgive when wronged. This one stumped my toes off. When we have to shut up instead of saying what we want to say. Oh yes, it's easy to be like Jesus until we actually have to be like Jesus. But you know what? It's worth it. Do you remember a time when you didn't know the Lord intimately? Do you remember a time when you were not saved, when you did not know grace and mercy, when you did not have a supernatural spirit living inside of you? I do. It was a bad place to be. There was no peace, no joy, no direction, no truth, a lot of bondage. But Jesus restores. Jesus reconciles. Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings joy. Jesus gives direction. Jesus, in his own words, he says, I am the truth. See, Jesus, because I put my faith in him and I've been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus, has brought restoration in my own life. And because of that, I want to be a minister of reconciliation and be able to bring reconciliation and restoration to other people's lives. And it doesn't matter, it shouldn't matter if persecution is part of it. It shouldn't matter if suffering is part of it. It shouldn't matter if loss of things are part of that. Because I want other people to know the Lord that I know. I want other people not to have to suffer with the addictions of alcohol and drugs and all kinds of other crap that I had to struggle with. There was, I didn't, I didn't share this any any other service. I left here after all, I was prepping my message and I left here and there was a guy at a four-way on down the road holding a sign that says, I need help, Jesus loves me. And I kept going. And I've just prepared this. And the Holy Spirit says, what the heck are you doing? 
Mr. Suffering. And so I turned around and went back, and I talked to the guy, veteran, uh, amputated leg, all kinds of issues. I want that man to know the Lord. I want that man to know the Lord that I know. I want to be able to help that man get on his, uh, get on the straight and narrow and help him out all that I can. And then I said, "What do you?" I, I ministered to him spiritually, and <laughs> I said, "Well, is there any way I can help you?" He said, "Man, I, we could use a little money." And hey, what do we get, cynical? Hey, hey, I don't know about that, brother. I had a hundred dollar bill in my pocket, and a two and two do, and two ones. Carl, I'm sorry I ain't told you this. <laughs> I might have been a bad time for that. But I was like, I can either give this guy $2 or I can give this guy a $100 bill. And I was like, man, suffering. And I gave him the $100 bill. And then the next day, the guy called me again. And was like, hey, is this Pastor Greg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you don't know anybody that could help me get some brake pads. Well, as a matter of fact, we got a mechanic in our own church. And he's done got him some brake pads, and he's putting them on his truck himself. But you see the point? We got to get to a place where none of this worldly stuff, none of this stuff matters. The spiritual is the priority. We've got to get to a place where we want to, other people to be reconciled. Yes, hey, I, in in, in, at the bottom of, I want you to know Jesus the way I know Jesus. And then we can help you with all the other stuff. You have the same opportunities to do that. You have the same opportunities to do it. Parents, daddies, you have the same opportunity to do that in, in your own home with your own kids. <clears throat> it's worth it. Patrick is going to come and we're just going to have a short time of response. <clears throat> But I want to close with the, some of the lyrics that we sang in uh, that, la- that last song, uh, Graves to Gardens. I love that song. Jesus says, uh, the lyrics of that song says, Jesus turns mourning to dancing. He gives beauty for ashes. Jesus turns shame into glory. He's the only one who can. Jesus turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into ar- to armies. He turns seas into highways. Jesus You are the only one who can, and we know that. And we have the opportunity to tell people that. We have the opportunity to share that with people. We have the opportunities to suffer for Christ's sake, to share in not only his glory, but his suffering. Romans 8.18 says this, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. If you would, stand up. Stand up for just a second. We'll have just a short time of response. If you don't want to come down to the altar today, you don't have to do that. I will be here. We've got some counselors in the back if you want to talk to somebody. Maybe you don't want to do that. You can pull out your te- uh, phone right now and text East Space Connect to 31996. That's East, E-A-S-T, Space Connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, to 31996. And we will respond to you. Maybe you want to know about baptism. Maybe you want to know about salvation. Maybe you want to know about how to join our congregation. Maybe you got a prayer need. Maybe you got a prayer request. Maybe you, like the guy I met on the road this week, you just got some needs. Say, hey, I, I need somebody to help me walk through this stuff to show me how to get back on my feet and get where God wants me to be. 
Obviously, you can do that by texting there, or you can uh, talk to one of our counselors. But whatever God's speaking to you, I would ask that you respond in some way, whether it's at your own seat, or coming and talking to somebody, or shooting us that text message. I, I, would, I would pray that you would do that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for grace and mercy. We thank you that we could hear from your word today. We are thankful that we could worship you. God, we just pray that your spirit continues to move. We pray that you would use us, Father. I pray that as we leave this place today, God, that you would just burn inside of us and we have a desire to be a part of your work, that we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, and that we want to do that, God, that we want to, want to share your word and your light and your love with other people, God. We love you.